0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into an Independence Day, 4th of July, version of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and really, really happy to be back from La La Land, Los Angeles. Boy, it was fun out there, I will say that. And when the weather is 69, so the, I'll just say this, because I know all of us are sitting there sweating at all of our, our barbecues, our cookouts, and all that's going on. The last day I was there, I woke up and well, it was one of the last days I was there. I woke up, I walked about, well, I don't know, about a quarter of a mile down to Venice Beach. And I went, I ran three miles on Venice Beach. It was 68 degrees. It was glorious. And then I look at my phone right now and it says 95. Ah, But either way, glad to be back. And because it is the 4th of July, and a lot of you are out and about doing different things. Like I said, you might be at a barbecue. uh, You might be at a cookout somewhere. Whatever you got going on, hopefully you've got this tuned in and turned up. And it is a holiday, so we understand there are a lot of people doing, uh, you know, whatever they need to do. And so we thought, why not share a couple of our favorite interviews from the last, oh, I don't know, month or so, last uh, about two, three weeks or so, with, oh, I don't know, general manager Nick Casario and head coach Lovey Smith. Yeah, how about those two? So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to hear from those two. And we're going to start because I flipped a coin and it came up longer interview first. And that meant general manager Nick Casario. When we started with Nick, we, of course, just lobbed him a softball. Hey, how did it go in the off season?
1: Yeah, no, I think we've uh, we've certainly made some progress here from the start of the off-season program, beginning of April to where we are now. Um, have a few, you know, a few days left here next week with the mini camp. Probably be an extension of some of the things that we've done here over the last, you know, however many weeks. Um, there's certain rules and parameters in place. Have we have a little more time with the players during mini camp, but. I'd say overall, like we've had a productive spring. Uh, we've had a fair amount of players on the field. I mean, we've had basically the entire team here working, um, and we've made progress. Inflation of in the system, though, offensively and defensively, a lot of carryover in a kicking game. Um, Being able to incorporate some of the younger players, some of the new players, so give everybody an opportunity to kind of work together. So we're making progress. I think kind of putting the foundation in place, get ready to go for training camp is the most important thing, and we're heading the right direction.
0: I think when we talked to you after. Right after the draft, we were talking about positions. Maybe you need to have a chance to draft. We talk about edge and like, hey, man, I've got there might be a few things in the works, and we find out that there were some things in the works. Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes, you bring them along, obviously, with Rasheem Green. And, Nick, I've watched those two guys and how they interact with younger players. How valuable was the experience factor of two guys like Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes?
1: No, it's been really impressive. You know, Mario hasn't necessarily been practicing, but he's been very involved. And when you play against players from afar, you, don't, you, you see what they do on the field, how they play, their pro- level of productivity. Say, speaking specifically to Mario, Mario goes back to Lovey in Chicago, and Mario wasn't drafted, and now here's a player who's been in the league, you know, 10, 11 years, however long it's been. He's had a really good career, and there's a reason that he's made it to this point. You, A, obviously have to a certain level of skill. And then, B, there's some other things that go along with it to making yourself a productive player. And he showcased those things or had those qualities, I would say, in Chicago. And then even going back to Buffalo, you know, when when I was in New England, you know, between Hughes and Addison, you know, we had to see those guys twice a year. Um, I'd say they were both kind of pains in the asses, you know, on the other side of the ball, you know, to block. I'd say in Hughes, I mean, there's a reason that he's had the longevity that he's had. I'd say his overall day-to-day professional and his approach, how he prepares – his thought process, and he's not – we've talked about this at different points too about leadership. What is leadership about? How does leadership manifest itself? And I'd say in both of those players' case, they're not necessarily vociferous and loud, but they make a huge impact in terms of their actions. And then when they back that up, they back their words up with their actions. And then if you're a younger player and you see that and you say, you know what, these guys have been in the league for 12 years, 12-plus years for a reason, there's a number of factors that can go into it. So having those players in the building – Um, Just kind of working with the group. Um, Again, Mario has been a presence at practice, even though he hasn't necessarily been involved, but he's down there with Jock's Drills, and they're working with each other. They're talking about technique. They're talking about different things. So I'd say that overall group, I mean, there's, I don't know how many, 15, 16 of them that are down there. Um, Some, most of them are working, but the way they interact, the way they communicate, you know, with Jock and Kenyon, I mean, the way that they work together, you know, it's been, it's been fun to watch.
2: Nick, we know improving the running game is a huge priority for the franchise. In OTAs, what have you seen, and what can you really tell from OTAs about how that's going so far?
1: Yeah, it's a good point, Mark. The, the run game is always hard in the spring to really get a true assessment of where it is, but you want to see, A, do the players know who to block? What's the distribution of blockers? Are they making the appropriate – is the back making the appropriate read? Do they understand how the play is blocked? Do they understand where the play is designed to go? And that takes repetition. So the more that you're able to do that against, I would say, moving targets on the other side. And the tempo is controlled in practice. Like we're very specific. Take two steps and kind of pull off or stop. You'll have the opportunity in training camp to finish. We want to avoid collisions. We want to just avoid kind of harm's way if we can. But in terms of the course, in terms of the angle, in terms of the distribution of the blockers, if we have to run a play against a certain front, okay, if we have, you know, run, run, check, all right, run this play if they give us this look, run this play if they give us another look, the communication, the mechanism to get that information out. So I'd say from that perspective, Mark, it's been helpful to be able to go out there and more work on the timing and the execution. The physical component, the physical nature, that will manifest itself, you know, a little bit more in training camp. But the run game is always hard to – you want to work on it because you still have to get a foundation, how we call the play, what's the play called. What's the the blocking pattern? What do we call that? What, what, how does the communication go from the center of the guard, the guard to the tackle, the tackle to the tight end? Is it a tray block? Is it a double-team block? How are we handling this look? Say, so those are things you can still sort of, I would say, work on despite there not being in contact.
0: You love it when I ask questions about rookies. So I'm going to ask <laughs> questions about the second-year guys because the one thing that I have learned probably more than anything else. we could talk. Lovey's talked about the rookies. Yeah, I know yes, he has. He has. <laughs> but you always talk about the, the – rookies in their second year and it's not so much the second year but it feels like spring practice going into their sophomore year davis nico and that group what have you seen from that group that you like the fact that they step in here don't know anything go through a season now they're into the second this off season where they've been around, they kind of know where everything is, and now they're starting to develop into veterans at that point. What do you see for the second-year group, Davis, Nico, Roy, et cetera?
1: Yeah, let's say overall they're just more comfortable with everything that comes along with being an NFL player. So they've been able to kind of go through the full year, what works, what doesn't work, what's my routine, okay, this segment of the year, what are the things that are important, what can I work on this particular day, am I making strides in the weight room? You just have an overall, I would say, familiarity with, even though we've had some changes in the building, yeah. on the staff, familiarity with the program and the, the nuances of the day-to-day. So from that perspective perspective, I mean they've done, you know, they've done a really good job. I don't want to speak specifically on one player, but right. I'd say Garrett Wallow's probably done as well as any player on the team from the time that he walked in the building to where he is in the spring. I mean he's learned all three linebacker positions. He has a role in a kicking game. He's made strides in a weight room. He just looks like a different player. So there's a player you look and say This guy looks like he's putting a lot of time. He had an opportunity to play. He's trying to take advantage and build on some of the things that happened, you know, last year. I'd say there's a good example of kind of that year one to year two transition. And really, they they walked in the building. Call it a year ago at this time. That's when they really just walked in the building and said, okay, this is NFL football. So now, having gone through that, they've gotten a lot of reps, and all of them, um, all five of the guys that have played, have been on the field. So they've been out there. They've practiced. So if you're out there in your practice, then you can improve, and you're seeing that, I would say, from all five players. Well, Lovey
2: has talked about the rookies, but let's talk about the group at large, Nick, because I know not everybody can be out there right now, but you're seeing some things so far, some flashes, things like that. Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, I think each day you're seeing some different things from different players. Um, the, the most important thing is, is for any player is they're, they're, the players – are in the NFL, a lot of them are here because they all have the ability and you can do it on a day, you know, one day, one guy can make a play. Can you do that consecutive days, consecutive plays? Can you start to stack them together? And I'd say you're starting to see that from some of the, the rookies and the younger players. So I'd say as a group overall, their attitude has been really good. They've worked really hard. They've kind of are starting to understand the expectation on a day to day basis and the, the idea is to go in there and take advantage of your opportunity whenever you're on the field, whatever repetitions that you have. Everybody's getting reps this time of year. If you go with the rep chart, I mean, it's pretty well distributed across positions. So when your reps, your opportunities come, go in there. Okay, does he execute his assignment? Does he know what to do? Okay, is there production that goes along with it? Okay, if we had an issue on the play, what happened? Does he understand it? Can he come back? Can he self-correct? So I'd say from that perspective, I mean, however many rookies we have in total on the field, there's 20 of them. Most of them have been out there for the majority of the time. There's a few that are different stages that are doing different things, but overall, I'd say they're making progress. Um, it looks like they're hopefully going to be prepared for training camp when we get started here in a few, you know, in a few months.
0: Nick, one of the areas that Lovey talked about pre-draft, and it was funny because Lovey can—he'll be honest. I mean, he won't say anything bad, but he'll be honest. And he was asked about the secondary, he said, "Look, the secondary has to be better." I know we're only into OTAs, but you drafted Derek Stingley. You drafted Jalen Petrie, added some of the pieces, brought some pieces back. As you look at the secondary right now, how do you like the progress and what are the things that you'd like to see that secondary do maybe even better? Yeah,
1: it's always hard in the spring. You know, you kind of – your assessment of where your team is, but we feel that we've improved the team overall, that, you know, we have, you know, decent depth. I would say the thing about the secondary that probably stands out, you know, there's especially a corner, I mean, it's a group that's – that's long, that has some yeah. length, It's big, and they're fast. Yep. So you see the speed show up on the perimeter, whether it's Sheffield, whether it's Moreau, whether it's Ike, Iodom. So all the, you know, and TT, you know, he had not been out there, but we know he's fast. So yep. I would say the secondary looks like there's, you know, there's some speed in that group, yep. both with the corner group and the safety group. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been active and productive, getting their hands on the ball. I mean, Stingley hasn't been on the field yet, but I would say he has some of the measurements that are similar to size and speed that some of those other players have. Um, I'd say it's been a pretty competitive group between the corners and the safeties as well you know not the transition of the safeties but you know guys like terrence who were here last year brought on mj jalen's been out there you know jo's been out there practicing so i mean overall it's a pretty i would say competitive group so can we carry some of the things that we've done here in the spring to the field and or call it real live settings but i mean overall i think you know we're fairly pleased with the progress that some of those players are making and you know we'll see how that transpires here in training camp I
2: know wherever you go around town, grocery store, whatever, not buying carbohydrates, uh, I know that people ask you, how's Mills looking? So what's your answer? How's Mills looking, Nick? I
1: thought you were going to say they ask you about your vest. <laughs> well, they do. Notice, I, sure. did, I didn't wear it today. I knew it was
0: just coming, so I left it at home. You could have been on brand just like I Nick. Could, I know I could have been, but no. uh
1: yeah, I'd say the quarterback group overall has is, is done a nice job. Um, they've taken a lot of reps. Davis has taken a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say he's made progress. I think the biggest thing this time of the year, the quarterback, is the things that you can work on: your, your decision making, your anticipation, and, and just trying to assimilate game situations. All right, this situation comes up. How are we going to handle? It? How are we going to handle this situation? What's the right throw? You know, versus like trying to do too much with the ball. And I think there's been some plays. There's been you know a number of good plays, and there's been some plays where you look and say, you know what all right, we'd like to have that back. Let's go back and take a look at it and then have a discussion. Hey, here's what happened. What did you see? All right, next time, let's make sure we do this. So being able to transition from one play to the next, being able to understand what are some of the corrections, what are we trying to accomplish on the play? I'd say those are the things. He's certainly probably more comfortable and ahead of this year where he was last year and with good reason. I think he's thrown – I mean, we just went through the rep chart. I mean, there's been – He's he's had almost like 300 attempts, mm-hmm. you know, which is a lot of throws yeah, right. in the course of the spring. I'm talking about in a team setting, not right, like yeah. throwing a bunch of routes. So you know he's taking a lot of throws against a lot of defense. You know, you guys have been out of practice. We run call almost 60 plays in a practice. So that's 60 plays to not all of them are passes, but right. 60 plays to be able to watch them. All right, what happened on a play? What's the coverage? I say one of the things that our defense has done a really good job of is the disguise element. They've done a great job pre-snap. It's one thing, and then a lot of it is just understanding, okay, when the ball is snapped, okay, what happens? And being able to anticipate and be able to see, okay, what's my uh, you know, what's my answer? If they do this, we're going to do this. So I think seeing those things in real speed, is, this is the opportunity to do it. And I'd say to our defense's credit, they've done a nice job, put some stress on the offense, but it's a great learning opportunity.
2: He told us that sometimes this time of year, this is the time of year to try some things that you might not try in a game. How do you want to see players balance that kind of thing? Because it does make sense, but you have to get ready for the real thing at the same time.
1: It's a it's a delicate balance. So as long as you understand the why behind it, okay, have a mm-hmm. play, something happen on the play, whatever the decision is, all right, why did I make that decision? Okay, what are my alternatives? Okay, you know what, the right thing is this. Okay, as long as you understand that and then the application behind it, that's the key. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I saw what happened on the play. All right, I'm just trying something. Oh, I'm going to do it different. But if you start to see a pattern of behavior – and the same action behind it while well, you haven't self-corrected it. So don't be an error repeater. You want to go ahead and try something, or you think it's going to work, or maybe you try to fit a ball in a tighter window. Okay, you know, is that the right thing to do? Well, maybe not, but, you know, you want to see if, okay, if I put it here, what would happen? Or do I just go to the, you know, check down and go to the mm-hmm. next play? So those are things, like spring is spring. You sometimes try some different things, but you want to create good habits so that you mm. carry those good habits when you're in – because when it happens – I mean, we're practicing, and the speed is one thing. Then you get in a game, things are going to happen even quicker, so you're not going to have a lot of time to think about it. You have to react. So have you built up your habits enough that you react and make the right decision? Mm. Nick, I know a guy that's intriguing
0: to a lot of Texans fans because in a playoff game in 2018, Marlon Mack danced all over that stadium and just destroyed us. Then he has two years where – He's hurt, and then Jonathan Taylor emerges, and so he's kind of stuck behind him. What gave you the the thought that, hey, Marlon Mack's still got something in the tank. I want to bring him here and see what he's got. He looks like he has some juice. What are your thoughts about bringing Marlon Mack into that running back group?
1: Yeah, Marlon's been good to work with. I mean, that room is it's a, it's a really good room. I mean, all six players, you know, it seems like each day they all do something that kind of forces you to go back and say, man, that was pretty good. Yeah. You know, whether it's Jed, whether it's Royce, I mean, Rex, I mean, everybody knows Rex and – but Rex still goes out there and does things and you go, wow, okay, that was pretty good. And let's say Marlon's done the same thing. So he's got a good attitude, kind of quiet, you know, quiet kid, quiet guy, but he's healthy. I think he has confidence and you kind of see it in spurts, you know, when he kind of has a little burst, you know, around the edge of the defense and there's a little bit of crease, you can kind of get into that space. So, you know, it's been, he's been a good guy to work with. Um, You know, anytime you come back from a serious injury, it's always difficult, but, He's a few years removed from that. So I mean that last year, you know, theoretically was healthy. You know, he just didn't play because right. he's behind one of the best players in the league and that's just the way that this goes sometimes. So but looks like he still has some physical things going for him. So he's had been a talented player, you know, in the league here for a number of years. You know, we'll see how it translates into, you know, some of the things that we're asking him to do.
2: Well, we brought up some of the guys who are veterans that you brought along like jerry hughes for instance but the d line in general nick what are there? 17 defensive linemen and lovey's probably going to want to keep them all i would imagine uh but and they're very
1: we actually have more offensive players on the roster than (laughs) defensive players which he and i have had a chuckle about that at different points so it's been fun
2: but that as a group looks like they've got a lot of ability a lot of variety and it's going to be a tough cut eventually.
1: Sure. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of competition. I mean, mm-hmm. really across the roster, say the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the defensive line, the linebackers. We haven't even talked about that group, but I mean, it's a, that's you know it looks like a pretty competitive group with a lot of depth between defense and the kicking game. Um, but the defensive line, you know, we're going to play a lot of defensive linemen. You know, each week we're going to mm-hmm. probably take eight or nine of the game. They're all going to play. So you want to have confidence and conviction about those players that you're going to put on the field. So. We know we we'll take X to the game. You might have to carry a few extras either on a roster or on a practice squad. But, you know, let's say in, in Jock, the way they, they play defense in Buffalo, they played a lot of defensive players. I mean, they played eight to nine. So, it's would say philosophically some of the same things. And we did the same thing last year. We played a lot of defensive linemen, as you, rec- as you recall. So, trying to get production from a lot of players. And I think, you know, when you watch Jock, that group, it's about running the ball, max effort on every play and physically you can do that you know if you really want to exert full you know energy you know okay it's three four plays all right and then you got to catch your breath then come back and do it it's hard to just do that maximum effort eight nine ten plays in a row it starts to wear on you but if you have enough depth and you can roll another group in there then you know i think that's how we're g- ideally would like to be able to play
0: nick i know the ultimate goal is to is to win a championship to win a championship, you have to have a certain type of team, a team that could beat all these different types of teams. And you look around, like to beat the Bills, okay, Josh Allen, they throw the ball around. The Chiefs are going to throw the ball around. A lot of teams are throwing the ball around. And then you look at our division, and you got to tackle Henry twice a game, twice a year. you got to tackle Jonathan Taylor twice a year. And then you got to tangle with James Robinson and Travis Etienne twice a year. That's six out of 17 games where you're facing some of the better, if not the best, running backs in the league. How does that change, in some sense, the way – you might put this team together or how you've put it together to this point and will in the future?
1: No, it's a good question, John. Uh, I'd say you have to just look at your team, try to figure out our, right, what are the things that we think we want to be able to do? We have to be able to do them. Well, you're always cognizant of your opponent. You're always cognizant of what's going on in the division, but then you just have to figure out what gives us the best opportunity, the best chance to win on Sunday and structure the team accordingly. So, where the team is now currently. I'm sure there'll be some changes here by the time we get to the 53-man roster and then the practice squad as well. well. I think there's a certain way that we want to play. Lovey's talked about this, like the ability to be able to run the ball more effectively than we did last year. I mean, look, everybody, we didn't run the ball well enough. We really didn't do much of anything well enough. And we're all accountable for that. So we want to try to make some improvements in those areas. But I'd say offensively, two jobs at of the offense, move the ball and score points. Like however you do it, like that's yeah. the goal. So, you know, there's situational elements that come up like execution on third down. And then once you get down to the red zone, can you score touchdowns touchdown instead of kick and field goals? And then as you mentioned, defensively, you know, trying to tackle Taylor every, you know, twice a year, trying to tackle Henry twice a year, ETN, who didn't even play last year right. and James Robinson. So at some point you're going to be, have to be able to stop the run, get a stop when you need it, and then play good pass defense when you force the other team to pass. So I'd say the team building, uh, Exercise. It's all, It's a fun exercise to be a part of, and yep. it's constantly changing, and you have to be adaptable. Um, you have to really look at your team. You have to know your team, try to figure out what are the things that we do well. Okay, do we have the players that, we, that we're able to do those things? And if we don't, we'll go out there and find them. And if we, if we think we're okay with where we are, try to play a certain way. And if we have to adjust, then hopefully we can adjust. And, again, just figure out a way to move the ball and score points offensively and get stops on defense.
2: How do you want to see the players spend their time between minicamp and training camp? That's a big gap. It's got to really not concern people in the organization all over the league, but, you know, they're not under your umbrella during that time for the most part, even though I'm sure they can
1: come in and do some things. Sure. I'd say use your time wisely and judiciously. And mm-hmm. I think everybody needs a little bit of a time away from football. It's good. But I'd say from a player's standpoint, You have a four to six week window where you have to maintain your strength, maintain your endurance, maintain your physical performance. And we're going to give our players a program and say, if you do these things on a weekly basis, structure your week accordingly, go out there and train, then when you show up for training camp, you should be prepared to withstand the rigors of what we're about to ask you to do. So I don't think there's a concern of, you know, hopefully they're going to, you know, run wayward outside of the building. You know, again, make good choices, use your time wisely, stay in your routine. You can't just, okay, go full bore football, you're in the building every day, then all of a sudden do nothing. Like you have to get into a routine. <laughs> yeah. So like simulate what a day would be like. All right, get up, have breakfast. All right, get your training in. All right, then when you're done at noon or one, okay, then recover, get your, your sleep. All right, then the next day, get up and do the same thing. So the ability to just kind of stay on course and stay on routine and stay on task is important. And you have to make a commitment to doing that. The reality is it's not do football for however many months. All right, do nothing for four to six weeks and then come into training camp and think you're going to be able to make it through, I would say, what's going to be probably as difficult a thing that you've done to this point. So you have to prepare your mind, you have to prepare your body accordingly, but you want to do it within reason. You have a little more flexibility, but you still have to get work done. I think that's the most important thing that they have to realize.
0: So is that sort of you having to follow the same script and the coach is kind of doing the same thing? You have to get away, but you can't get away too much from your routine?
1: No, it's very true. You know, I would say I try to stay on a routine. Your maybe day is structured a little bit differently. I think, I mean, I look forward to the summer because it's an opportunity to spend time with my daughters and my wife, and we maximize our opportunities together. So, and then when there's windows or pockets of time, or a little bit of downtime, all right, there's something that maybe you can work on. You know, go through some college players, go through some of the college reports, start to think about right, what are some of the things in training camp that we need to get done. So, Everybody needs to take some time away to refresh. It's, it's good for everybody's, I would say, mind. It's good for your body, and we should do that. I mean, this way, when you come back in training camp, you're reinvigorated, you're fresh, and you're ready to go. So we all need time away. We all need time to reflect, and we all need, you know, kind of our time away. It's important to do, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. We should enjoy it, but you also want to try to stay on track and try to stay with your routine. I think the people that have routines, I mean, it's, you're going to stay on, on course regardless.
2: Two quick questions. For training camp, should I drink regular water or water with electrolytes? Electrolytes. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Enhancement with electrolytes? Yes, absolutely.
2: Okay. And will you see Top Gun Maverick? I actually already have. Yes. You
1: have. Love it. This is actually great. So I'm one of the, if you ask me about a movie, I'm one of the worst in the history of the world. I don't, I haven't, I can't tell you the last time I went to the movie theater or I've watched a movie on TV. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, My favorite movies of all time, I would say the original Top Gun, Hoosiers, and A Few Good Men. I'd say those three, I mean, there might be some other ones about that. So my wife and I, I said, look, we got to go see this movie. And she's like, all right, well, we'll go. So we actually went last weekend, and um, I had been in a movie theater in forever. I loved it. It was phenomenal. Yeah,
0: my son and I went to go see it. It, It's interesting because seeing it the first time, I was – I mean, I was 16, 17 years old, and now I'm watching it, and now Tom Cruise is considered old, and I'm like, holy smokes, he looks man. looks same. That's, I know, yeah. he looks the exact
1: same. Not now. to like, go you know, movie analyst here, but there was a lot of symmetry that they were able to maintain yes. in the, the, very the, the well. second they, version relative very well to done. the original. I don't want to like spoil Mark's Thunder here. I haven't seen it you, yet. Somehow I have doing. not seen it. I don't know. I don't Drew know, Dirty and said, I'm the movie guy.
0: Drew Doherty said that it is the best blockbuster hit ever. I don't know if I go that far,
1: but yeah. I, I enjoyed it's it. Pretty dark so, again, it good. I, I, I can't believe I'm admitting I went and saw a movie, but I did. So oh. <laughs> Nick
2: Casario movie review and team review. Nick, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Yes, general managers are people too, and they can go to movies, uh, including Nick Casario. Now, like I said, it's a blockbuster type of night. So when you have Nick Casario, you just follow it up with head coach Lovey Smith. And we had the opportunity to do that. A couple of weeks ago. So let's hear from the head coach next, right here, on the July 4th edition of Texans All Access. Happy July 4th, everybody. Independence Day right here in the city of Houston, Texas. Got to love it. Hopefully, fireworks tonight won't set off the four legged creatures in your house. I know they probably will a little bit in here, but my son and I will be here hanging with the dogs. But y'all have a safe, 4th of July, wherever you might be, but I'm glad you're with me tonight. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And about a couple of weeks ago, right after minicamp was over and it was time for the break, Mark Vandermeer and I had an opportunity to catch up with the head coach of your Houston Texans, Lovey Smith, and like with Nick, we just tossed a 80 mile an 80-mile-an-hour fastball right over the plate and asked him, how
3: was the off season. But great, really from start to finish. You know, first we asked the guys, uh, you know, a long time ago to show up every day and let us coach you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot of things to get done, felt like we did that. It all comes down, of course, to that final practice. And uh, one last look, uh, you know, as a coach, you know, you, wanna, you want it to be injury-free. Yeah, So we got a lot of, of things accomplished throughout, and, of course, today we finished it up the right way.
0: Coach, getting back to – I don't know if we'll ever get back to normal after the pandemic, but it felt a lot normal because so there, it didn't have to be all Zoom. You could go out yes. there and say, hey, this is how you do it and show the players and show the young guys how you do it. How important was it to be hands-on yet again?
3: It was very important. It was good to get back to uh, normal, Uh I don't think we, you know, we didn't. We didn't have a Zoom uh, meeting uh, this entire offseason. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, to get back to that, I think it's important too, to look at a you know, player in the eye yeah. and, as you mentioned, to get hands on him, to show him exactly how uh, to do it. There were no restrictions on us. And uh, we had so many players that, that came the entire time. I think we, as it ends up, about 39 opportunities we had to get better this this all season and uh that kind of shows the commitment that the players have
2: well last year you couldn't have any real contact like full 11 on 11 offense versus defense right how strange was that and how helpful is this especially for the young players who are trying to
3: develop these guys it's uh, it's it's very important too um you know, it's one thing, you know, with the drills and all of that, and that's that's really important. And, of course, uh, none of all season is, is in pads, but there's so many other things that you can get done. Just lining up 11 on 11 uh, and teaching the guys, of course, all of the drills. And it's been fun watching the new players. You know, our rookies come in, and now, you know, you kind of forget that they're rookies a little bit now. They're they've just blending in with the rest of the guys, and – uh we're seeing how they're going to fit into the plans, also, and once you get to this mini camp, okay, it's the only thing that's actually mandatory. So we have our entire football team here, and that's of course a you know good feeling as a coach.
0: Coach, a few guys that got brought in after the draft: Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes. Not not yes. just those guys, but I use those guys as an example because they're seasoned. I won't call them old; they're seasoned. They've been around. But how valuable are they to you the and the coaching staff because they are leaders. They are instructors. You watch them with some of the young guys, and I've watched, you know, John Grenard go over and talk with Jerry and Mario. How important are they to you from that aspect? Yeah, they can go out and play, but they can also deliver the message as the coaching staff is trying to give it to them as well. Kind of be another voice for you in the locker room. How important is that to you as the coaching staff?
3: It's uh, I think it's critical that you have uh... – a certain amount of veterans on your football team. And I'm talking about veterans that's done it the a certain way. Uh, you know, been true pros throughout. Yep. We just finished up with our last defensive meeting today. And that's one of the things I talked about on, you know, what some of the young players can do. Yep. Uh, just, you know, spend a little time with Jerry Hughes. I mean, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, I think it's 13 and 12 years uh, they've been playing in the league at a high level. I mean, it would help it would benefit a young player to see exactly how they prepare for a season. See what they do. You know, we as coaches are telling them what to do during this break. right? But exactly how guys that have uh, played, again, played at a high level, how they do it uh, has been great. Uh, The players coming in, uh, you mentioned Jerry Hughes. I mean, he got here a little bit late in the offseason, during the offseason program, but jumped right in. And it's amazing how people will gravitate to certain players. So he stepped in that role right away. And we have a lot of that on the, on the offensive side of the football, too. Uh, so you want a little bit of old and, of course, a lot of, out of the young players.
2: Coach, as a head coach, how difficult is it to watch the players and, and mark their development, yet also keep an eye on your assistants and how they are coaching? Because i got to imagine that's a big part of the job, coaching the coaches. We've discussed that kind of thing before, but so much goes into it from you down to the players' performance.
3: Yeah, it does. A lot does go in with the coaches, but keep in mind, we've spent a lot of time together. Okay. And the, the foul part, I mean, we've been on the field. We've been to walkthroughs ourselves, so we pretty much know how we're going to, you know, when we go out on the football field, you know, of course, coaches have to be on the same page, and we are that way. But it's still good to see, uh, you know, a new group of guys coming in and see how they're reacting, how they're responding to our coaching. And I love what we're able to do. Of course, Pep Hamilton leading our offensive group. Uh, you know, Frank Ross leading, of course, our special teams. And I've seen the guys just get better and better. Uh, it, it matters when you stay here in the off season. You keep putting in that work. Mm-hmm. And so today uh, is the final product a little bit. And I just like where we're. We have a long ways to go. We're not put you know game ready yet but we're a lot closer. You mentioned last year when we get a, didn't get a chance to even line up and yeah. do any of these things, and that's why, you know, of course there's a there's a a buzz going along, along around here, mm-hmm. and I think it's warranted. You talk about taking the coaches out. I would come down the
0: hallway in February. I'd be coming to work, and I would see this throng of people. I'm like, hey, there's coach, and there's coach, and there's coach. And y'all yeah. going out to the practice field early in the morning, going to get it done, and one of the guys – that is hugely important to all of that the guy you coach a quarterback and Davis Mills and I know you know Kyle and, and Kevin and Jeff did a nice job but Davis is the one a lot of people focus on coach yes, what did you see from Davis this time around or in the offseason after playing as a rookie worked out like you said and that was a big deal he mentioned it too being here for the offseason before the program started
3: what did you see from him during that period during OTAs and mini camps we we saw growth uh, throughout. He's one of the players that every day the building has opened, he's been here. There's a lot that goes into that. And for him to move into that role, it it quarterback's gonna be one of your leaders on every football team and guys have gotten a chance to see him. And I've seen him, you know, last year and hear him you know, he wasn't uh leading an awful lot, you know, but now his voice when his when he speaks, yeah. we all listen, the team listens and for him though to just go through each day and get more and more confidence yeah. and being able to work with the receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, getting more and more control of the offense daily. Uh finishing right up with a good 2 minute drill, last thing we did today.
2: Well, we noticed that of course, and the situational work in general coach, red area, 2 minute drill, clock situations. Can you discuss what goes into deciding what you do in practice? And I got to imagine in training camp you're going to have even more of that.
3: More of that. Well, what goes into our our, our practice? A our practice in general, all the situations that come up in a game. You know, the first couple of weeks, of course, we concentrate a lot on first, second down, in and third down. You mentioned red zone work. It's critical. It's important, and we've done a lot of it, especially lately. And but games. You know, if you look at games, I mean, it's how you handle situations at the end of the game, end of the half, end of the game. And uh, believe me, no one will work on those more than we will. And we got a chance to to do a little bit right now, but uh, this is just, you know, an interest to training camp where we really get a chance. There's so many other things that we're able to introduce to our players. Uh, We will practice uh, all of our workouts that we've done so far have been at 8 a.m. in the morning. We'll Mm -hmm. continue to do that in training camp, which is a little different than probably, you know, past years. We'll practice every morning at 8 a.m. And I think it's good for young people to learn how to start the day earlier, get up early in the morning, you know, (laughs) and get your work in and then have the rest of the day, of course, to see exactly what you're able to do there. So many things we're able to establish this offseason. We appreciate the 8 a.m. starts, Coach. Well,
0: Coach, I am a little mad at you about this though, and there's only one reason. I mean, I love you to death, but we go on radio live at eight o'clock, so I got to be on radio, and our practice is going on.
2: We'll give you a little break, John.
0: So I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to take a little break. But, <laughs> I'm gonna do a drum solo. But Coach Mark brought up something talking about situations, and, and I want to ask you about that because it feels like as a coach, it's the one thing as you're going kind of up the ranks and you're becoming a position coach, and then maybe even a coordinator. Mm-hmm. You're worried about the X's nose, teaching the techniques and all those things. When for you did it really become, well, I got to learn how to manage the game and manage the clock. Was
3: it really when you became a head coach or did you start working on those things when you were a coordinator? No, long before you become a head football coach. These situations come up when you get into football. Like we're going to expect our football team. uh, If you're out on the football field, we're going to expect our guys to know how to handle those situations. So I think they start then. And so we're, we're asking our football players. Every position coach needs to kind of know. We yeah. have a game plan about everything. We're going to talk about them in meetings. And then, of course, go out on the football field and put the players and let them actually do it. But that's what it's all about. And, and it's just not end-of-the-game situations. Right, right. It's, uh, you know, uh, just third downs or second and long, second and short, on just mm-hmm. tendencies that, that teams do, just what people do in certain situations. And I know as you just watch games, yep. it seems like more teams lose games each week than actually doing an awful lot to win. them.
2: What about the offensive line? We talked to you a few weeks ago about the progress. Now that the minicamp is in the books, what did you make of how things went up front? A lot of mixing and matching up there. You had Laramie back for camp. That was nice. What about the O-line?
3: Well, we, we, liked, we did. We looked at a lot of different combinations. Uh, which is good, which we plan to do. And then all season, that's what you want to do also. Mm-hmm. You know, offense, defense, special teams, we're going to look at new things we may want to do. But then uh, looking at players in different positions. And a little, you know, Larry tonsil wasn't around a few few days, so that allowed us. But to me, when when one of your, your star players isn't around, that's what happens during a season. Injuries come up. You have to have a plan for all different things. So we're able to look at the players in a lot of different positions. Justin Britt, of course, didn't do an awful lot the last couple of days to see what that plan would be. But what we want to do, you know, we're going to address eight offensive linemen. So we need – some of the guys need to have flexibility on what they can do. Uh, Coach Warhop, of course, Coach Hunter both did a great job coaching the players and we'll be ready. Coach, 17
0: defensive linemen are on this roster. I don't know if you've got any more stashed like in the woodworks, you know, somewhere – but obviously running a four-man front, is, as we've talked a lot about, you've got to have some guys up front. Even though you didn't hit and you can't be totally, you know, col- you can't be collisioning people, the growth of that group up front, what did you
3: think about that in the spring? Like what they were able to do also. And uh, you can never have too many good defensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're four-man, as you mentioned, a four-man front. We'll address at least eight. So guys know that they're going to play an awful lot. Yeah. But even though you can't you know, hit, tackle, and go full speed, there's so much good drill work that you can get done. And that's what we're able to do. There will be great competition. You know, we we talked about some of our, you know, Mario Addison. Of course, Jerry Hughes adding some, you know, some of the players that have have been stars in the league. But we have a good group of young players. And to watch their development, you know, Roy Lopez being a rookie last year playing. uh, Malik Collins, of course, second year with us. Uh, Ross Blacklock, we have so many players like that. Uh, Rashid Green, yep. I mean, you look at what he was able to do. Uh, Jonathan Grenard, of course, is coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. Even though he wasn't doing an awful lot of physical stuff, just him getting into football, uh, seeing him coach the players, yep. and he will take another big step this year, too. Coach,
2: how do you handle where the rookies go group-wise? And I know the depth chart is very fluid this time of year, like we were discussing. And I got to think that it almost doesn't matter because you're out there with players and you can get better at your craft no matter what level you're playing at. And I hate to call it a level, but how do you handle assigning that?
3: Well, per, you know, depth chart in general. We don't name starters really in right. the off season. And as much as anything, we just want guys to get reps. We'll do a lot of different combinations. We have a rep count. We keep track of how many reps each player is getting. So that's all we're promising, guys. We will put you on the football field to give you an opportunity to show us exactly who you are. And all of our players that have been here have gotten a chance to do that. So it's more that as opposed to, you know, what team you're working with right now. Uh, all that you want to see them in a lot of different situations. We're able to do that.
0: Coach, for a lot of people, when they – get this break, everybody's like, Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go home. A lot of guys from all over the place and I would imagine when you coached in other places you would come home to Texas, but now you're home in Texas. So what's your plan for the break? You can just stay home, you're gonna get away, what's the plan for the break for you?
3: Well I, I uh I think it is important doing this break now, just keep in mind, some of the, you know, some of us have been here an entire time. So yep. what we do, I think it's important for you to get away. We're getting ready for a long stretch. You yep. know, I'm going to come back in July when we get started again. So what do we do? I mean, I'm going to, you know, we have Miran and I getting ready to have our 10th grandchild. So we're going to do a lot of uh, grandchildren visits. Wow. Looking forward to that. Uh, do you love soccer? Uh, flag football, yeah. all those different things. Looking forward to a lot of that. But I like the players. Uh, Going to get away to it and looking forward to it. A couple more for you. You open up against the Colts. Yes.
2: How much, I hate to call it game planning, but how much planning do you do for the opponents? Research on what they're doing this time of year or what you've already done? Because you can't wait till the week of, I get that. But how is that handled with you and
3: Nick or however it's handled? Well, we keep track of what's happening, especially in in the AFC South. And, of course, you know, opening up with an AFC South opponent. uh, But at the same time, we know quite a bit, you know, of course Tennessee and the Colts uh, keeping the same staffs in place. Uh, We're pretty familiar with them. But Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot that goes in long before, you know, we get the preseason games and the regular season. We're always kind of paying attention to what's going on with them.
0: So there you have it. A little Nick Casario in the first, a little Lovey Smith in the second. And man, that's a lot of great information from the two top football ops decision makers right here for your Houston, Texas. When we get back, we'll see what kind of news we got going on in the NFL and hit that next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Welcome back to this final segment of Texans All Access on July 4th. Happy Independence Day. Everybody out there, please, please be safe. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And we heard from Nick Casario. We heard from Lovey Smith. A little later in the week, we're going to hear from Seth Payne because I messed up last week. We were supposed to have that segment last week, but I set the wrong show. So we'll have Seth Payne's retrospective on Wednesday, which I think you'll absolutely love. We also this week are going to hear from Mario Addison, Titus Howard, a little where are they now at Quentin Demps. Where are they now at Danielle Manning with Owen Daniels. Also, we've got massive stuff going on in our LSSE uh, department. We've got Manchester City coming July 20th. Yay! Premier League champs, my guys from Man City, going to be here July 20th. We've got college football, bowl game announcements, all kinds of stuff. So we will have... David Fletcher on with us who is in charge of everything that goes on with LSC. So we got that uh, coming this week. So this was going to be a short segment anyway. So I just wanted to make sure that we outlined everything, tell you what's happening uh, this week. And of course we'll cover any news that happens with your Houston Texans, with the NFL. And I just want to wish everybody a happy fourth, a big thanks to everybody that participated in the show. Lovey and Nick and Mark, and of course, myself, I suppose, But all of you for listening, thank you so much. So good to be back. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. As always, go Texans.